0: Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Julia Raymond, Global Director of Research at Valtech, a global digital agency focused on strategy and transformation in retail, as she explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. This episode of Rethink Retail sponsored by Valtech, where experiences are engineered. Hey everyone, thanks for joining today. We're here to talk about the brewing heavyweight fight for the title of worldwide retail champion. In one corner, we have the current champion, Walmart, weighing it just north of 500 billion in revenues. And in the other corner, the challenger Amazon, a young plucky upstart, less than half of the revenues of its rival. Today's judges are eminently qualified to render their prognostications and opinions to help us size up these two contenders and how their battle will shape the future of retail for all of us. Welcome to the show. We have Tony Donofrio, CEO of TD Insights, and he held previous positions as the CCO of Tyco Retail Solutions. We have Brian Gildenberg, Chief Knowledge Officer of the Retail Sales and Shopper at WPP's Kantar Consulting. And we have Paul Lewis, CMO of Digital Transformation Agency, Valtech. Welcome, everyone. I'd like to start out with just some opening comments from each of you on the panel. Tony, would you like to start kick us off?
1: Sure. A pleasure. First of all, thank you very much for this invitation. Always a pleasure to talk about retail and always a pleasure to talk about the giant in Walmart and Amazon. It's been an interesting battle to watch. I think it's been going back and forth a few years ago. Amazon was gonna take over the world. I think things have changed. So I'm looking forward to discussing how that's changed and where it goes from here.
0: Excellent, well, we're happy to have you. We're super excited to chat about too. Brian, did you wanna have an opening comment just in general?
2: Yeah, I'll probably do two. One, I think it's important to remember that Walmart and Amazon together are less than 15% of global retail. So it's always helpful to put this into context. You know, there are several hundred thousand people that work for Alibaba that might object to the world (laughs) championship of global retail being given to either of these companies, which is a different topic for a different day. I do think that the second thing, though, I do think it's important to understand that as Amazon's reach broadens, particularly in the U.S., which is really the key geography in which they intersect, these two companies intersect, you are starting to see, obviously, at a direct competitive environment, them overlapping, but also from just a pure shopper expectations perspective. I think Amazon and Walmart are both rivaling to be the baseline of shopper expectations in the omnichannel world.
0: Totally agree. And I like that you brought up Alibaba because they are definitely in the game when it comes to retail. And so that's a good reminder to set the playing field there. Paul, did you want to jump in?
3: Yeah. I, uh, first of all, I think great opening comments. I think that what we see up till now is there's been a lot of blue ocean. Amazon's been able to, to grow its business, you know, very rapidly without running into having to take Walmart on head to head in uh, physical retail. And likewise, I think physical retail, you know, still by far the dominant uh, form of way people buy products today, has not had to overly worry about what's happening in the online world. But I think we all see that those, uh, those two ships are on a collision course. Uh, I I think that what we'll get into the discussions today is that for Amazon to continue to meet the growing expectations of its consumers across uh, a variety of needs, their grocery needs, their their immediate delivery needs, they're going to have to expand their physical, uh, distributed physical base. And I think likewise, um, Walmart can't uh, continue to, to be primarily on only the physical side. They have to succeed and win and continue to grow market share in their online uh, sales. So these two are definitely on a collision course and it's going to be interesting to see what happens next.
0: Great. Thank you, Paul. All very good comments to kick us off. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, Starting off, so Amazon CFO recently said their new one-day shipping initiative is going to be groundbreaking for prime customers. But we see now that Walmart and Target they're already offering the two-day shipping, they're doing free pickup, free returns. With that in mind, do you think the Prime membership at $119 a year um, will still entice customers to remain loyal to Amazon as much as they are now?
1: I can start if you like. Uh, My view, I think the one-day shipping is just a stepping stone to getting faster and faster. Somebody mentioned Alibaba earlier, if you look at China, they're already looking at six hours shipping or 30 minutes for fresh food. So it's gonna get faster and faster. And I do think that's a, that that last mile is an important milestone for all of them to strive towards. Uh, but but to me, it's just one of those milestones. I'm not sure it's Walmart doesn't have enough of the third-party sellers or products that uh, Amazon is online, so until they catch up on some of that, some of this is a battle more in terms of positioning versus actually how the battle is being fought in the field. Yeah, I think um,
2: I'll build on that a little bit. I think I think Amazon, practically speaking, Amazon's been at one-day shipping for a while in a number of markets for a number of Prime members. So Amazon's pretty good at choosing when to announce things versus kind of doing them at a slightly different speed. Um, I also think that yes, eventually. The other advantage that obviously that Walmart has in this battle is that you can already go online to Walmart and if you need something today, it's actually easier to do that on Walmart than it is at Amazon because you can just go pick it up. Uh, Whereas Amazon doesn't really have that capability. So I do think that the, I think you'll see, yes, on balance, the speed for home delivery is gonna continue to get faster. Um, There are a lot of American consumers that already don't want to pay for a prime membership. They'll solve the problem of the last mile differently than uh than prime members who do but our our data would suggest it's about a 50 50 split right now about half of all american households have a prime membership about half don't uh that number's been plateauing so our guess is that'll plateau somewhere in the high 50s um so you'll have a lot of people that don't have a prime membership that shop differently and uh and that you'll have a lot of people that are that will solve the last mile problem and speed that trade-off between speed and cost in a lot of different ways
3: yeah i i think it's the same thing i think we'll see this one day shipping as. kind of a blip on the radar as we transfer to, uh, you know, same day delivery of of products. Uh, So uh, I don't know how long that will hold, but I think as we look at same day delivery of products, what's going to continue to erode uh, the prime membership is that uh, people will want their their grocery, their perishable products. Um, And as they see that whoever their perishable supplier is also has the same things that Amazon has and can offer them the delivery services without the Prime membership costs, that's going to be a, a big attractor for them and a detractor for Amazon Prime members. Yes, except
2: that the over the overwhelming percentage of people in America get their perishables from an outlet that doesn't sell anything like the range of general merchandise that Walmart does. Most of them still get their perishables from a supermarket, so so if I'm a, if I'm a Kroger shopper, the, the the perishable solution that Kroger comes up with, whether it's uh, online grocery pickup or whatever home delivery, they're not going to have the same platform to be able to get me access to the the non-perishable product that I need that Walmart does. So then that's one of the things I think it's important throughout this whole conversation is that you know the Walmart Amazon's you know show clash of the titans story is a fun one, but in real life the American retail ecosystem is much more multipolar than that.
0: Great comments. Well, I will uh, continue on to the next question that kind of builds on that. Uh, So Walmart took a jab at Amazon after they made that announcement, uh, which Brian, you said they've kind of already been doing it, but they know when to announce. They said with one day free shipping without a membership fee, now that would be groundbreaking. Stay tuned. So can you guys expect Walmart in the near future to be offering no cost one day shipping? Yes. Yeah. I think think they they have that capability. I think
1: consumers will will drive a lot of this. There will be a threshold that all these companies will reach where the consumer will say 119 is enough or a number much less than that, and they'll have to adapt. You've seen that in parallel industries like iPhone, where they've reached a plateau where somebody's not going to spend that much money on a phone. You'll see the same thing, consumer services, and you'll see others, again, jumping in to set prices that are lower. And again, again, I'll I'll go back to China. In China, most of the deliveries are free, even for the ones less than one day.
3: Yeah, I think um, you'll see that there's just a switching cost. So if you look at the cell phone, uh, mobile phone battles, service battles in in this country, uh, for some time is eventually you get comfortable with the carrier you're with. And so to create switching costs, you have to create a lot of incentive. I think that Walmart's going to be willing to take a loss on those shipping uh, to pull members away from Prime to slow the growth of that. I think it's already slowing, but to to further slow the growth and to accelerate their own growth in in online. Uh, Walmart also has to show that they are a dominant uh, online marketplace so that they have uh, more products and more competition in their marketplace uh, to be competitive. I mean, we're talking about, on one hand, the delivery aspects of your shopping, but another huge aspect is selection. How many different products do you get to choose from uh, to find the products that you want? And so Walmart has got to show that its marketplace is, uh, is just as competitive, just as large, and has much, as much opportunity as Amazon's. And so to do that, they're going to take, a, I think, a loss for a while uh, on the shipping costs uh, to, to drive that business and to drive that switch over to
2: their marketplace accelerated. I think the other thing that Walmart's gotten smarter about is with partnerships with, you know, what I always call the two noun companies like DoorDash and Postmates and you know, <laughs> Goatplane and whatever. I mean, whatever those two noun companies are, those two noun companies all have access to much cheaper capital and a much different economic expectations than Walmart does. So they can partner with those companies. They can, you know, quote, probably systemically underpay those companies because those companies are looking to gain velocity and critical mass for the whatever rationale their investors are using to frame up the narrative around those businesses. So I think they've gotten much smarter around how to tap into what Scott Galloway calls the cheap capital marketplace uh, to help solve this problem. I expect to continue to do that. We're going to come back to this idea of marketplace, but I, I'm i already going to queue up now that I think that the notion that Walmart needs to have the same breadth of assortment as Amazon does in the market, I just, I don't, I don't think, one, I don't think it's possible, two and I don't think it's true, but uh, but we'll, we'll come back to that. So. Uh,
1: I, and I agree, and I do think that the big battle is going to be over grocery, that is the biggest sector worldwide, and Walmart already has basically uh, 90% of Americans within 10 miles of a store, so the perishable battle, they can fight because of their massive infrastructure that they already have in place.
2: That's true, except that I'm within 10 miles of a Walmart, but I live in suburban New Jersey, and on a, on a Saturday, that can be like a three and a half hour drive,
1: so <laughs> that's, it's not as It's all easy, relative. But, um...
0: <laughs> Great, well, you guys brought up two good points. We're definitely gonna move on to talk about grocery in a minute and also marketplaces. Um, just to wrap up kind of uh, on the topic of shipping, Throwing Target into the mix, obviously they are much smaller in terms of revenue um, and physical stores, but they already offer same-day delivery um, and they partner with a company called Shipped. like Brian, you were mentioning. Do you think that their delivery service is strong enough to battle Amazon's $800 million move from two to one day shipping? Do you think they're going to hang in there?
2: I think Target, I think we'll talk about this, I think a couple of different things. I, I think Target is going to engage in a number of business problems selectively versus full-on. Um, and that shift is an interesting one. Target is a partnership, they own it. Um, so it allows them to have a captive model that allows them to explore the different economics and the different processes. I think a lot of Target's online growth is going to come from uh, the urban markets where Target's got um, both great brand recognition and increasingly a physical footprint through small stores. Um, Target is nowhere near as much of a grocery retailer as Walmart is, so they have a very different competitive situation versus Amazon than Walmart does. Um, so I think that when Target looks for this, they are trying to solve an urban convenience problem rather than a broad-based grocery problem. So I think the, I think what Target's doing is interesting. I think the problem they're trying to solve is pretty different.
0: Makes total sense. Like Tony, Paul, did you guys want to add to that at all?
1: Yeah, we're fully concur to that. We're fully concur. I think Target is in a different space than the other two. I think the other two are going head to head uh, with major battles still to be fought.
3: Yeah, I think that uh, Target might get brought into that though, right? Like, I think that Amazon, ultimately, I believe that people are going to want integrated experiences where they can have some of their products. In store and have an in-store experience. Some of it they want to have, uh, you know, immediate delivery um, or or pick up in store. They want to combine those things, and uh, and then I think they also want the big uh, selection of products at the same time. So uh, for Amazon to deliver across all of that, I think they're going to have to look at additional acquisitions. Their current uh, physical uh, footprint is not the right one to accomplish all of those those goals. And I think that you know. They may need to look at acquiring a target or a collection of smaller stores to do it. Though I think Target is a good fit. It would fit to put their Whole Foods acquisition inside of Target's, um, and it would give them a lot of physical distribution. It's a big one. It's a fifty billion dollar, you know, acquisition buy for them, most likely, or north of that. Uh, so that's going to be hard on, on Amazon. They would, it would take on additional long-term debt, probably double their long-term debt, which has some, some servicing and, and some stock implications for them. But at the same time, I think it's a path like that might be the one that's necessary uh, to fight all those
2: fronts. Do we want to talk about that now, or wait wait till later? So.
0: Oh, we can talk about it now because I think next cool. we'll just move on to the the topic of marketplaces. Um, I'll,
2: I'll offer what I would call a a, a counterpoint on the target, uh, the Amazon Target acquisition, just as a as a way to think about it. I actually I don't the cost of capital for Amazon is not an issue. They could borrow as much money they borrow as much money as they want. Um, I don't think that's going to be their problem. I think the challenge for and I think the reason why Amazon bought a business of Whole Foods is size. Um, When you look at it today, if you look at Amazon's financial statements, they're different now than they own Whole Foods, but they're not demonstrably different. They're still a confusing collection of assets masquerading as a tech company. That's an easy narrative for them. If they're gonna buy something as big as Target, the problem is that their financial statements start to look like a retailer. That I think is the issue. It's the size of the business vis-a-vis the rest of the Amazon business. I would think that if you are Amazon today, I think you're much more likely to solve the problem of access to consumers through varieties of doors. I personally, looking at their financials, I would probably solve that partner, uh, problem through partnership rather than acquisition. Um, you know, if they're a 500 billion, if they're genuinely a $500 billion company, sure, they could buy Target because then a $50 billion business would just get lost in their financials. Um, I think today, then buying Target would make them look like a retailer, which I really don't think they want to do. Because um, then I think they start to get picked apart by the investment community, like a retailer, and uh, that's not that's not helpful for their show price. Right, and they
3: get away with it with Whole Foods. I mean, because it's less than the five billion.
2: It's and, small, yeah, it's tiny. Yeah,
3: so, it's around uh, an it, error for them. So you know, the investment community isn't really taking the, the screws to them a little bit, but but well, again, they, very you, very lightly.
2: You you can't because you can't you just can't look at their financials and really figure out exactly what the what the implications of the are and i think that's a real advantage for amazon i think i think if amazon were to acquire a retail business it would be something more in that size but um just again freeze of height not hiding it that's a wrong way to put it but just from lower visibilities advantageous to so i would say if they were much bigger that would be interesting if i were a digital asset looking at target um and you know i've said this in a number of places so um i actually think if Target was gonna merge with a digital asset, I wouldn't make an Amazon, I'd make a Pinterest. I think the combination of Target and Pinterest would
1: be really interesting, but that's a, a different. And, uh, what, you just that. said, what you just said is exactly uh, what I would see more on the visual side and their target audience versus, I think Target would be a tough fit than Amazon personally.
0: Yeah, and that, that kind of brings um, another topic up um, because a lot of people are saying that Amazon isn't doing as well in, in, um, you know, personalizing the shopping experience. Um, what are you guys thoughts on that? Um, a lot of movement is going towards recommendations and like just really visual selling methods online specifically. Do you think they're going to invest more in that? I mean, we've seen some changes recently, but, um, is there anything you guys have been hearing?
3: Well, I think Amazon has always approached their business as they're the search engine of products. Right i think that their utilitarian view is um designed around that Um, but i think that they have seen that that view works uh, has has certain weaknesses when it comes to especially uh visually oriented things clothing um furniture other things that are visually oriented but i also think that amazon is the king of nothing else of experimentation and i think that um they certainly are looking at alternative interfaces that could come into their, their digital store, their digital e-commerce front. And, and I think that we'll start to see the rise of those uh, in, in the near future.
2: Yeah, I would, I agree. First, I agree with that, that basic sentiment. And then the only other observation I would offer in that general line is that a lot of what Amazon does from a, from a search marketing point of view to me, looks a lot, like, I'm, I'm the old school retail guy. My world's more analog retail than digital. To me, it doesn't look like search marketing. It looks like an end cap. Like you're putting something in the way of a shopper that's trying to go somewhere else and trying to show them something.
1: So Amazon's success has always been based on simplicity of the one click and getting through the website and recommendation based on previous purchase and pattern. That is something they've repeated worldwide. It works in some markets. It doesn't work in others. I do think it's going to change over time, partly primarily because technology is changing to make it different. But ultimately, it's, it's a key component of their success formula that I think they will stick to on a go-forward basis. It will get enhanced, but it's what made them successful. It's core to their formula.
0: Yeah, that's a that's an interesting perspective too. You're saying that if they changed it too much, it it might take away from the the value they've created. Through that approach.
1: Correct.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a A Swiss army knife approach. I think you're going to find they're going to always stay with that search engine layout format uh, that allows people to very quickly uh, search and sort by by reviews by brands and products um, to, to find against a wide assortment a wide array of things, but I think that you're going to see an extension of that that is much more experiential um, and there will be options that you can get into uh, and you can transform your searches into more experiential searches. I also think that we're going to see uh, a growth of artificial intelligence recommendations where you have um, intelligent shopping assistants that are looking at what you're looking for and making smarter recommendations as to what
1: it is you probably want to
3: see.
1: Yeah, and you've seen some experiments in that space with they are in VR, so they've tried different things to see how far they can extend the model. So that will continue. But ultimately, you, you do wanna leverage your core strengths going forward.
2: I think that's right. I think the other thing is I think Amazon's gotten very, Amazon's very good at what I would call linear, if you like this, buy that algorithm, right. algorithming. Um, the rest of it's pretty and this is one of the interesting challenges amazon has in grocery they're not particularly good at selling baskets of things um you know if you want to buy 20 things on amazon it takes exactly 20 times as long as buying one thing that's not ideal for a grocery shop so that's one of the that's one of the really interesting issues amazon's gonna have to solve for whether it's through data or, or i think it's a combination of data and user experience which is to get better at selling multiple things more quickly
0: that's interesting. So they're they're not as good at bundling products in, in terms of experience, but then they bundle uh, so many things into their Prime membership.
2: CMS. Yeah, they don't really they don't really bundle them as much as like I'm 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 sitting at my mother mother-in-law's house, we're in the process of moving her at the moment, and uh, this house isn't bundled. There's a lot of things next to each other, but I don't know that I would describe it as bundled at the moment. So <laughs> it's like, there's, there's a lot it's things really of
0: completely unrelated of things that are bundled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, um, let's see. Moving on to grocery. Um, So the online grocery industry is struggling to catch on in the US with just 3% of grocery spend occurring online is the stat we pulled um, where it's like 10 to 15% in UK and South Korea, as an example. Why do you guys think that is? What's the big challenge? Geography. So we'll just, we'll
2: start there. I think, um, I think the, I think that you got the the distribution of purchasing power in a place like Korea or a place like the UK, you know, so much of the UK's economy uh, at the moment is London centric. So like 45% of the UK's GDP is within 25 miles of a pole in downtown London. If you put two more poles up in the Northwestern part of the country and uh, somewhere loosely in the middle, you'd have about 70% of the GDP of the country. So then 25 miles of one of three poles, that makes it easier to, master a delivery model that's based on a centralized logistics model in some form of some form of last mile solution um i would say the market that's probably most parallel to the u.s um and korea is obviously the same um i just i just think the the geography of the u.s from a last mile solution point of view for perishable foods is a really daunting physical problem to solve (laughs) and then i think you build into that if you look at how that problem got solved i just think the u.s retailers so far haven't approached the problem the way that the one market in the world that has a geographically dispersed population, but a relatively high e-grocery sale is France, shares France, and France has been able to solve that largely through click and collect, largely by the retailers buying up more convenience locations and using them as pickup points on a model called drive. The problem in the U.S. is one, nobody's really had the appetite to do that, and two, those physical locations are just owned and zoned differently. So I think there's been a logistics issue um, that's on there on the table there to start with. I don't, I think there's a lot of talk around Americans are really choosy about their perishables, blah, blah, blah. I just don't think that's really, I certainly don't think they're more choosy than French consumers. So that's probably not right. <laughs> um, I think I think it's, I, I do think it's some basis. It's a GI. And then the other thing is, is that in the US, your grocery retailers, except for Walmart and arguably Kroger, are family run, not terribly well capitalized businesses that are not well positioned for a multi, multi hundred million dollar investment in e grocery. And the solutions that came along to try to socialize that, like my web grocery, just weren't very good.
1: In my point of view, uh, Walmart is probably the best position to take a better shot at it, along with Kroger. Yes. I, I do think those two companies have the infrastructure to deliver even perishable. I think some of it is they're, think they're going on the extreme in terms of self driving robots and self driving cars versus solve the problem. How do I get the perishable to you now and not wait till all the rest of the infrastructure actually catches up? I do think that is the critical market, again, not just in the U.S., but worldwide that has to be solved just because there's so much of the spending that goes into growth. If you look at the global top 250 retailers, only 10% of those revenues are apparel. 66% is in the grocery space uh and there's still a ton of investment going into that so it needs to get solved and i i do think if you listen to walmart that's what they're trying to solve 56 percent of the revenue of all of walmart comes from grocery and then you see all the investments that they're making now in terms of how to make it easier to click and collect how to make it easier to actually choose and pick up uh, your groceries uh, at, at your local store, thats that, that they've understood that is a leverage that they have over Amazon. And they're aggressively trying to figure out how to scale before a- Amazon figures out who they got to buy and how. To, what do they have to do to get even close to the infrastructure that our Walmart can bring to the table.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think Walmart is the, the farthest ahead here. Uh, and I think that even they would admit that they're in the you know, infancy stage of of this, of of figuring it out, Uh, you know, how much is it that uh, it's click and collect? How much is it actual delivery? Who do they need to partner with? How do they do that? But I think that, you know, a lot like, um, you know, if I were to go back to Microsoft's challenges over the years, you know, at one point, Netscape was going to dominate the internet. And then I watched Microsoft rally and, uh, and go from having less than 10% of market share browsers to bring that back up to, I believe, 93% at, at its peak. Um, and I think that we're seeing the same thing with Walmart. They're not going to be caught flat-footed again on this online thing. I think they're investing heavily and smartly and running the right tests on you know, how do we get people to engage with us on, in grocery, in, in perishables. Uh, and uh, I think the knowledge they're gaining from that, uh, which I think they're the leader on, uh, is going to propel them to the next stage, which is going
2: to be, you know, even more impressive. And Walmart's managed to do it without getting arrested for antitrust violations, like Microsoft did when they. Were- Another <laughs> yeah. <when> were- <laughs> important were- <laughs> were- distinction, right? <laughs> I was, was going to say, I- I- <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah.
1: Here's
2: the strategy. And and I don't
1: think I don't think Whole Foods is going to get them there just based on what they've done yeah. so far in terms of uh, of the retail. That's why they've announced or suddenly announced that they're going to open a, a separate grocery chain.
0: And again, I'll go
1: to China as the parallel. Alibaba is planning to open 2,000 grocery stores because they would like to get you your cooked food or perishables or your cooked food in 30 minutes or less to your home. So there, there, is, there, is, a, there is a model out there it's because of exactly what was said earlier, the US infrastructure will take some work, but it is something to strive for based on the importance of that market segment
2: yeah and then if you're if you're trying to match alibaba you've got a you've, uh, the as you well know their their economic model is so different than walmart's they're not a trading company by and large yeah they're uh you know they, they make they make money basically by monetizing their audience and uh their audience is huge and their audience is huge for a whole host of things and you know retail is just one of those connectivity points in there you know Alib- everybody always compares alibaba to amazon to me, in some ways, the business Alibaba reminds me almost as much of as, than, as anything else as Disney. Just the, the sheer breadth of things that Alibaba is involved yeah. in is uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's almost more like Disney than anything else I can think of. So,
3: Yeah, I, I will just go back to one thing when you mentioned the antitrust point. I would say that one of my uh, caveats against the Amazon being able to make like a target play is I think right now where they sit with the current administration there would be some, some antitrust issues that would come up as well. I I think that any deals we see in that space might need to wait a little bit, at least for 2020.
0: Well on grocery, just while, while we're still on the topic, just you guys, how, how can Amazon switch over the prime customers to Whole Foods customers? Like, is that possible? What is the angle that you guys think they're going to take to um, be successful?
2: I think that, I'll start I think they've started already a little bit. I mean, now keep in mind, it's, prime penetration was much larger than whole foods penetration about 12% of America shopped in Whole Foods when Amazon bought them. So it's a very, it's a very niche grocery format. It gets a lot of publicity. but it's a very small part of the U S food ecosystem. Um, so I think the, the biggest thing Amazon's done is just trying to drop some of the pricing to make it a more rational place to shop on an ongoing basis. Um, you know, the single biggest barrier to people shopping at Whole Foods, even through all the research we do on, this is really obvious is that it's incredibly expensive. So, um, so, you know, so sometimes research pleasantly confirms obvious conclusions. Um, so I think what they've tried to do is I think they've tried to democratize the value proposition a little bit. Um, I mean, the other issue Whole Foods has is a geographic constraint. They're not physically in most of the places where most Americans live. You know, most Americans don't live within a of Whole Foods. That number right. is probably more like 25 or 30. Um, and certainly, you know, when you cross that with income strata, there's a pretty narrow percentage of the population that would probably use Whole Foods as, a, as even any close to a primary grocery solution. So I think democratizing the value proposition, um, getting smarter about figuring out how to broaden the reach of the non-perishable sides of Whole Foods, particularly 365, the private label, which I think is a really interesting platform that Amazon's under so far. But um, but yeah, I think in general, they really are just trying to make, and then they're just, I think the other thing is you've seen them do this already, trying to convert some of their existing Amazon fresh ecosystem consumers into the Whole Foods network. That was a, a really small percentage as well, but you know, mm, when okay. it's 12 to start with every little bit helps.
1: Personally, I think they've done a very poor job of integrating Prime into Whole Foods. <laughs> I'm a shopper in, uh, in all Whole Foods, And I also use the Prime card at Whole Foods. And frankly, I've stopped doing it. Basically, give Amazon all that information to get a dollar back in savings. is totally unworthwhile. And you see that all over the Internet where consumers are saying, what exactly am I getting by using my Prime card at uh, Whole Foods? So I think they've done a poor job of actually turning that into a loyalty program of Whole Foods. And, And really, they're squandering that 100 million plus uh, prime uh, audience in making them a lawyer or at least uh, someone that wants to go to Whole Foods. Yes,
2: I think think Amazon's ability to solve integrated problems that go across multiple parts of its organization is, uh, is dramatically overrated. So Amazon's a for those, I mean, most of you know Amazon better than I do. They're pretty. They're a pretty siloed company. They try to solve things sort of one area at a time. So the notion that Amazon's going to bring its entire ecosystem to bear to crack the code on Whole Foods just <laughs> runs counter to everything I know about how Amazon likes to solve problems. The people responsible for Whole Foods will be responsible for fixing Whole Foods, and and won't will view the other parts of Amazon as interesting possible assets and possible competitors the same way that all the different parts of Amazon tend to look at each other.
0: So with Amazon now offering through, through some of the retailers that um, use FBA, the try before you buy it, do you think that clothing will take off with Amazon? Do you think more retailers will start using them to fulfill their products? Or do you think they'll come out with their own better, more competitive shipping strategies as far as traditional retailers versus Amazon when it comes to apparel?
1: The best model that I've seen implemented to date has been a Nordstrom, uh, I think that's a tough model. Uh, it would be a tough model for an Amazon, depending on the brands uh, involved. I just think that's a tougher uh, model for an Amazon to actually take on based on how they are structured and what they actually do. In terms of sending you a trunk full of stuff, you try what you like and send the rest back or vice versa.
2: Yeah, I mean Amazon's owned a business that does this in shoes for close to 10 years now which is Zappos. So they 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 know this model. They've I, I don't know that the convenience of being able to return a bunch of stuff is as convenient as people think. Like I don't think people really like to do that. Um so so and I think I just don't I, I just don't no one's really quite sussed out the user experience. I mean, even Zappos, I think after people got over the thrill of being able to order 10 shoes and theoretically return nine, you realize <laughs> returning nine, nine pairs of shoes is a total pain in the neck. Um, right. And the interesting thing to watch here, I think, is the return partnership that they're forming with Kohl's. So if now, because yeah. now you're going to be able to go to literally any Kohl's store in America and return stuff that you bought on Amazon. That's got some, because returning stuff to a store, though not fun, is at least not having to box it up and go to the UPS store and figure out how to do that. Um, that's got that's got a chance, but I think the, the broad-based notion that people are gonna buy a bunch of stuff and return most of it just fl- flies in the face of human experience. I just don't think people really wanna do that.
0: It sounds like and that's clothing. kind of the consensus. Yeah, and clothing.
1: Yeah. And clothing is still has, has the issue of size and size fit. I mean, the dirty secret is over 60% of clothes bought online are returned. Uh so uh until that gets solved in terms of how you get the right size to the right individual, that's a tough one to go crack when it's also the smallest really market segment worldwide versus again some of the other bigger segments. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh
3: one shoes are probably the easiest of those <laughs> to get right. And I think we're we're seeing that they're struggling even with that. I think that um on one hand brian you're exactly right i don't think consumers want to go through the pain of returns i also want to say that i think that the manufacturing partners uh don't want to deal with tons and tons of returns they have a much higher return rate you know tony as you said online return rates are much higher than in store and uh so those costs of the channel costs are going to be a lot higher for their partners i think that's a challenge and then Finally, I think that when you're, you're seeing uh, you know, some of the, the different uh, solutions that are out there where designers pick out your clothes and send you things to try, I just don't know that Amazon is the brand I turn to to style myself. Uh, and maybe they can be, um, but I don't think they occupy that space in my, in my mind as far as from a marketing standpoint. I don't think that that's the space they occupy in, in people's minds today. So I think there's a lot of challenges to make that program effective in a big way, which is what Amazon needs, is big wins. And as Tony mentioned, I just don't know that that segment of the business can grow fast enough to make it a dent in the numbers, to you know, affect the street or or really Amazon's
2: bottom line. Yeah, m- most of the great apparel merchants of the world, in some way, shape, or form, are curators. And Amazon's not a curator. This is not it's not what they're wired for. Um, the point. We made earlier around personalization it could get interesting with that but they are a ways away from being able to use personalization data to really meaningfully curate a fashion experience i think for brands you buy all the time where you know the stuff fits i buy shoes on amazon myself because i just know the pair of shoes i buy so so that's that's the type of purchase that makes the ton of sense in that world
0: great well thank you guys uh for all of your insights today it was a pleasure having you brian and you tony and paul on the call today as a panel This was the the first panel we've done. So uh, really exciting. And I think it worked out really well. So thank you guys for joining. Thanks. Great.
1: Thank you very much. This was a great weekend, everybody. Thank you very much.
0: Pleasure talking to y'all. Great. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion. Rethink.industries.com.